is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Shoshana Bean, we talk about keep moving forward. We touch on Billy Porter. We talk about her lessons learned in the last year, along with what Waitress taught her as an actress and within herself. We touch on her views on social media and an overall self-reflection. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Shoshana Bean. And such a good, <laughs> those are really good. They're good analogies. They're great analogies because yeah, you look at someone who's successful, like look at you, right? I can, I would guarantee you've had more no's than yeses, but 100%. it only took the yeses to get you to where you are. And had you not sure. kept trying, you wouldn't be where you are. And I think that's the, sure. the mental break for some is to, you got to keep trying. You just have, you must yeah. keep moving forward because you will. And you just you know. never know what the time is. Like you don't get to say the timeline, yeah. you know? Um, I always think about like how interesting Billy Porter's trajectory was because it's yeah. like he was so big when he first got to New York and then just had this massive dry spell. Like, yeah. and that's when I met him and became friends with him was like this period of time where like he was just writing and trying to direct, like he just couldn't, people just, and then all of a sudden kinky happened. And then even after that, there were things he was trying to get off the ground and make happen that people were like dismissing him. Um, and then Pose happened and it's just like the world was ready and he was so unmoving in who he was, who he is, like timing and, and your own evolution and the world's readiness and the right opportunity. It's like, I, I bet that he wouldn't go back and trade any of that for where he is right now. Like it had to go that way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any um, texts you refer to daily or do you meditate or is there any kind of self-conversations you have? in regards to staying the course? I think I'm always trying something new. So like mm -hmm. um, Benj Pasek and Gavin Creel and I just finished doing the artist's way again for me after 25 years. Um, so that's, you know, morning pages and like all the tasks that Julia Cameron has you do. So I'm always doing something. I'm in a spiritual boot camp or I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always trying something new, but I, I do know that anything that sort of raises your vibration is really all that matters. So I think it's really, uh, it's, it's obviously unique to each person. So meditation, um, for some people, it's moving your body, exercise, yoga. I've started riding horses again, which is like completely fueling my fire and filling my tank. And it has nothing to do with what we do for a living. So like, I think it's doing, I think we, we, we all get so caught up in working so hard and we think that only hard work will get us where we want to go. Mm. And I think it's really, if anything, if this last year has taught us anything, it's just like, do what you love and do what you enjoy. Because if you don't, all the success in the world isn't going to matter when you get there, you're going to miss it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's more about like, being, you know, I've learned to be just really in tune with my emotions because I know they're the guidepost of like where my vibration's at and how productive am I? I can bang away at work all day long, but if I'm not in a great vibration, it's just all like for naught, you know? Mm -hmm. So yes, meditation. Yes. Always devouring books about, about that, about, you know, um, creating the, the, the life that you want and how to do that. And, and, you know, spiritual stuff and teachers and boot camps and, you know, when you're, yeah, when you're writing songwriting, how does it come to you? Is, do you see colors? Ugh. Are you out? Are <laughs> no, you out, you I'm know? not a color person. Okay. <laughs> nope. I'm not a color person. I am a storyteller first. 
I think that's by virtue of like musical theater. I think it's so ingrained in me that like, why are we, why are we singing this? What do we have to say? Who are we talking to? Why is it important? So it always starts with like a seed of a concept or like uh, of a story to tell. So um, I think that helps and hinders me because Mm -hmm. I think that I stop myself from continuing to explore an idea if I deem it irrelevant or unimportant or not good enough. Mm. Um, or I deem that it doesn't have the proper seed to grow. Um, but I, I'm a lyric out person. It's rare that I hear a melody first. I usually have to come up with a concept and a lyric and then I'll sing a melody. I'll just like riff on that idea. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge because I think there was a chunk of time where like I was so playful in my songwriting that I could just write like multiple songs a day or during the week. And then I got smarter about songwriting or I learned too much or I heard too much. And then sometimes I feel like the knowledge is crippling because if it's not up to this standard or if it's not this smart or this innovative, then I just shrink. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is like trying to push through the paralyzation and give myself the space to play like I used to. because the more albums I've put out and the more songs I think are good enough, then I'll never let myself write anything that maybe I don't think is as good as that. Mm-hmm. So that ends up in a lot of paralyzation. <laughs> yeah, no, it's another great point. It's the naivete <laughs> of not knowing too much and then you create, you know, more. What was the, uh, what, do you remember the first song you created? I'm pretty sure it was a song that I, I mean, I'm sure I just sang and made stuff up when I was little, but the actual first song that I think I co-wrote was with a girl in high school. And we wrote this song for the diversity assembly for Martin Luther King day. And I don't even remember how it went or what it was called, but I think that was my first, I, I aligned with her because she had performed at an assembly prior to that, a song she had written. And I was like, that's incredible. Mm. She played and stuff and I didn't play. And so we wrote a song together and then we went to the principal and we said, we would like to perform this at the diversity assembly. And I think that was the first song that I like properly co-wrote. Yeah. Is there a show that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount? I think probably waitress would be the most because I think anything like funny girl or beaches taught me, I think I knew about myself. I think they were easier to access because I was like, yeah, we're, I get it. We're the same mm-hmm. work first, everything else. If it gets trampled, so be it, you know, um, Alphaba, I think again, was just already a little bit inherent. And I think I was younger I obviously was younger Mm. and I hadn't explored true vulnerability on stage yet. I don't know that I ever, except for there were times when like emotion would take me over and I didn't have a choice, um, which happened a lot on tour um, because there was more freedom and space to explore on tour. So a lot more came up and it was sort of like a way it's almost like when you have to vomit you have to vomit you can't stop yourself from puking like, yeah, that and happens. that's how it would feel for me like yeah. i don't know what's happening and like i'd be sobbing my way through no good deed you know what i mean um but it was never like a conscious choice that i'm like shoshana you're hiding behind this character and this vocal like mm. let them see you i just it, it wasn't i'm sure it happened accidentally but um waitress was the first time that i was challenged to reveal parts of myself that I, of course, the people closest to me know, 
but I certainly never, and maybe I had revealed in my own solo shows with my own solo music, mm. but I had never explored in a character in that way. Of course, there were probably moments in Fanny Bryce that I dove deeper and shared more, but like, and same with Cece Bloom, like opportunities, moments, but like Jenna just sort of like lives in that still vulnerable place. And that, um, I think I was scared because I thought like, oh, fuck, I've been gone from Broadway for 14 years. I'm going to come back and like, people are going to want me to do what I do, right? Like, they're not going to want to come here and see me withhold or or simplify like that I, that's not a logical conversation right that's mm. a fear-based conversation but that's what was going on in my mind and harvey firesing came to the show like really early in my run like probably a week or two into my run and he was like cookie like your job is not to work in this show your job you don't have to show us what you're feeling you don't have to take us on the ride like we're with you it's everyone else's job around you to spin. Like you just mm. be still, let it happen to you. Don't show us it's happening to you. So I think that was the one that was like the power, even though I of course would teach that the power is in the stillness, the power is in the vulnerability. It was the first time that I had the opportunity to do it and trust it and experience the beauty of what happens when you just stop hiding and performing and just fillet your heart open for people so mm. she taught me um and I think I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people you know especially with with having Jeremy as my co-star like I had people who I felt safe with mm -hmm. and being feeling like that safe feel knowing Jeremy was going to catch me on stage and off no matter what yeah. allowed me to be even more vulnerable um and I think that I didn't know that that color was safe or appealing, especially when you're known for singing really high and really loud and singing a lot of notes and being like the like bold, ferocious one. Like, I just thought like, no one wants to see, like, not only does no one want to see it, like I'm terrified to show them this part of me. I have, um, I have to ask, was there a specific moment in the show where this happened for you? Where it, or was it just kind of a, after that conversation over time? I mean, I think it was a no brainer in she used to be mine, like being vulnerable alone by myself on stage behind a song like that. Mm. It's a no brainer is never going to be an issue. Mm. I think it was more, gosh, that's a really good question. I think after Harvey said that I had a big conversation with a coach of mine and she just doubled down on that. And she was like, the exploration for you is going to be in doing less and less and less and in the stillness. And I think it was, you know, you don't just throw someone in the deep end and say, swim, good luck. Like mm. you have to give them some tools. So it took me some time to like lean into that and trust it more and more and more. I'm a, I'm a feeler. So you can tell me the technique all day long, but until I feel it, and realize like, Oh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the pocket. This is, this is what that feels like. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I guess it maybe was when, when Jeremy came in, Jeremy and I got into a groove very quickly that cracked open another part of me. So I guess like mm. the process had begun. And then with Jeremy, it was like, Oh, this is the pocket. Okay. I love it. Yeah. 
I love it. Thank you. <laughs> you have such great questions, and you are like, I am glad I'm caffeinated, honey, because you don't. We're rolling. Wake up now. <laughs> I I know education is a huge part of what you do, and I can feel it in this conversation. You're a you're a huge educator, and when I had my conversation with Billy Porter right before Pose on this show, same realization. He's such an educator. It's everything is an education. Um, I want to talk to you from the education standpoint. Are there any common pieces of incorrect advice that you hear thrown around uh, in your field? No. Not that I can think of, but I think it's not. It's becoming more common, actually, that the conversation is just show me you. Like, mm. just let me see you. And I just don't think that when I was coming up, certainly not in college, that was not necessarily encouraged. Mm. And I didn't think that at the time because I felt like I was really leaning into myself. But I think that, again, in order to to be transparent and vulnerable, especially in the beginning, people mm. have to feel safe. Like, if they break someone's going to be there to catch them. And then you realize like, there's actually nothing to be afraid of. Like out here is in the dangerous zone is the best place to be. And then you sort of crave that feeling of like, there's no ground below me. There's no ground below me. Um, God, that guy who starred in sound of metal, he said something on Instagram the other day that I was like that he was like, (laughs) there's safe or there's vulnerable. You don't get to to have both. There's one or the other. Right. But I think in the beginning, you got to be surrounded by people who are tender with you and who allow this bit. Like you got to feel safe to come out of your turtle shell because you spend the whole first part of your life creating the turtle shell because you're just like, I'm not taking those hits anymore. I don't want any more paper cuts. Like I'm bleeding to death. So then when someone says like, come out, come out, you're like, don't you have a baseball bat in your hand? I need to feel (laughs) like I'm safe. So um, I think it's just that. I think that educators can benefit from creating a safer space um, while pushing, I think it's safe to push and be safe and, and, and create safety. Mm-hmm. And I, but I don't think there's any misinformation out there. I do think actually I take it back. It seems that people are being taught that social media is crucial to their success. Yeah. Uh, that their numbers matter, that their engagement matters. And I think you can find cases to prove both sides. I think you can find cases to prove that like there are Academy Award winning actors who have no presence on social media, never have, never will. There are Tony Award winning actors and actresses who have zero presence on social media, never have, never will. And then there's the opposite. There are people who have created an entire career that you and I both know based on being social media geniuses. Mm. I think it's a misconception that people are looking at numbers when they're deciding who to cast. If you're stunt casting and you want to sell tickets, yes, you are more likely to, you know, find a celebrity or someone with a a larger following, maybe not the most talented person for the job. It's a fact, Mm. but, um, you know, I have dear friends who are very powerful casting directors and they're like, you know, for, for things that aren't stunt casting and for things that aren't worried necessarily about ticket sales, we're not looking at numbers. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a wonderful platform if it's authentic to you. If you feel moved and inspired and want to authentically share, then yes. And it's a great opportunity to promote and it's a great opportunity to, like, put yourself out there to be exposed and, like, get comfortable with being 
exposed, um, which I think is super important. But, you know, if it doesn't come naturally, I don't know. I I think that's misinformation. What was that relationship for you, you know, with your social media? Has it evolved for you in a realization of like, (laughs) yeah, I don't need to put a whole bunch out? Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword because I'm so grateful for it, for the fact that like as an independent artist, it is my platform. It is the way that I promote. It's the way I engage. It's the way I connect. Mm. I don't know what kind of a career I would have by by virtue of ticket sales or, or album sales if I didn't have a way to promote myself on this platform, on mm. these many platforms. But I think that it's inhibiting when you start to, again, weigh and measure your worth by engagement weigh and measure your worth by numbers views likes it's really hard to toe that line and um and uh and also like the amount of attention and time we give it every day i realized was taking me away from my creativity not only taking me away from it but like putting out the flames the fire that like by comparing myself to other people by just mindlessly losing an hour swiping to only walk away feeling worse about myself and the world and art. Um, so I have stepped away for a while because I just needed to recalibrate what is important, where I want to put my time and, um, how to just sort of protect my creativity and not be so influenced by what, whatever, what everyone else is doing. So I think that it's up to each one of us to sort of police ourselves. It in is that realm. no, especially if it's not bringing you joy, <laughs> throw it out. Um, how have you gotten better at asking questions in life? I think I've always been a good question asker, Mm. especially of other people because I'm so curious about people and I just don't understand like getting to know someone without asking specific questions. Um, God, that's actually a fantastic question. There's so many like basic like questions that you get asked on these things. And there's just been some real zingers today, kid. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cause it makes me think, I think I've gotten better about asking questions of myself. And that's right. the most important thing is continuing to inquire within about like, well, why do you feel that way? And okay. If that's the worst thing that could possibly happen, why is that bad? And then why is that bad? And then what about like, so I think it's more being introspective and like really inquiring into why I feel the way I feel, why I'm concerned about the things I am and you know, what really matters. So, um, yeah, I've started asking more of them of myself and I think, yeah, I've always been a question asker of other people interested in, in getting to know people in that way, but Yeah. Yeah, you're, that's, it's so true though, especially when you have a a thought that's bringing, you know, negative or anxiety up, you know, it's like, is this actually serving me? No. Okay. Correct. Then let's move on. Yeah. I uh, like dig down until there's, it's, I always, again, a metaphor, but like, it's like, uh, if you're making a balsamic reduction, you have to like, just boil it down, boil it down, boil it down. So I'm like, let's get down to like what the true root of it is, which is usually, we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of losing. We're afraid of what people will think. I mean, it's always that simple, but we mire that simple truth down with all of these other really important things. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And you might've already answered this, but I do want to ask during this time, are there any changes you've made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity? Getting off social media. Great. 
has decreased negativity and increased positivity. <laughs> um, and what else? Um, really, again, being diligent about the awareness of, and then the question asking, mm. when I'm looking for approval, acceptance, my dog snoring, sorry. Oh. And, and, and affirmation and, and from without what we were sort of talking about yeah. earlier is just like really getting clear. Um, uh, the horse riding, yeah. the meditating, being outside. I think we've all been outside this year more than probably ever, mm. like intentionally been outside, oh, yeah. being outside and um, yeah, learning to like move with inspiration and intention as opposed to just like, like I said, I was raised by two like insane workaholics. So instead of just being busy for the sake of, because I realize that makes me feel important mm. and necessary and vital is like, I'm very busy. So like, I deserve what I have and, and I deserve to be here because I'm very busy and I work very hard. And now I'm like, mm. just like move with inspiration as opposed to like feeling like you have to. So yeah. And the things I read, I'm just conscious about what I ingest, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. In life, what's most important to you? Well, I think that it's changed in this past year. Work used to be the most important thing to me at the expense of all else my health my relationships um everything it just was the most important thing and i think that now um i think it's human connection and i would have told you a year ago i would have been like i don't like people <laughs> um but i think that i realized i was lying to myself and to every everybody else i i it's human connection it's human connection. So whether that's like spending time with my family or whether that's like connecting with an audience or whether that's like coaching online or, you know, a conversation with a guy in the grocery store parking lot, like mm -hmm. it's human connection. And I feel like we've all realized that in the past year. So if I get to connect with humans on stage and make art amazing, if I connect with them, virtually as we're working on making a song together somehow. Um, but that's it. Connecting with people and hopefully leaving them just that much, that much turned up after I walk away, you know, is there a, is there a favorite failure or apparent failure that has set you up for success in life? Oh God, I fail every day. I swear to God. I think Oh. I'll just say the first thing that comes to mind. I feel like that's always the smartest thing to say, mm -hmm. but I feel like, you know, I, I've never had like, you know, what anyone would sort of like qualify as the right shape or the right body for our profession. Um, I'm not tall. I'm quite sturdy and, and, you know, thick, voluptuous, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, in college, it was so drilled into us that any sort of like to be a star or to be an ingenue or to work, you needed to be a certain way. You needed to look a certain way. You needed to weigh a certain amount. And, um, and I never did. And I managed to work anyway. And I managed to find these like perfect slots and, you know, not just for me, um, knowing that like, if I were thinner, I don't know that I would have been able to actually be a believable trait, even, 
you know, be a believable Tracy understudy, you know, um, didn't matter what size I was playing alphabet. It doesn't matter. Her weight has nothing to do with her impact or her power, you know, and same with waitress. Like, does it really matter what size upright, like upright, does it matter? Mm. And so a, I think that, um, in failing to ever reach that elusive, you know, whatever, 119 pounds and whatever, I don't even know. Uh, I still was able to succeed. And I think that was not only important for me to realize that my worth does not come from my appearance or my ability to do the job does not come from my appearance, but I think it was important for other little girls to see because I don't know that I had someone to look to that I'm like, well, she's not the quintessential size and weight and she's succeeding, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think in the in the times over the years where girls have said to me, like, I saw you here or there and I thought she looks like me, like I'm not big, but I'm not little. Where do I fit? Do I have to get really big to be able to fit or do I have to lose a ton of weight to be able to fit? So I'm not trying to make this sound like a more righteous thing than it is, but I think it's important that obviously not necessary because we can all push through all of that and be the the first trailblazer. But I do think it's important to be like, I see that it's possible for me because that person did it. I think it's important to, that's why we're having all these conversations about visibility is like people have to know that it's possible for them. They need to know there's a place for them. Um, So I think that it wasn't just for me that I could never quite get down there, you know, also for, I don't know, I guess that's, that's the first thing that came to mind. I don't know. I love it. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think it, yes, yes. It's important. It's important. <laughs> no, because if you were if you were taller, that's what you would have heard. Oh, you're too tall. Oh, you're too tall. You, you know, because you can't change that. So that's always going to be like the excuse. And I appreciate yeah. you sharing that, you know, emotional journey and what that does for someone else who's listening. I mean, it resonated with me. It's going to resonate with other people, you know, so I really appreciate that. Um, metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? I mean, I think the first thing was just love, but I want to expand on it, which was just like, it would either say something like acceptance is, is love, like acceptance is the highest form of love, or it would be something like who you are is enough. I just think we all are striving daily, every day to be more, better, different than who we are. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that they both kind of go hand in hand. So if I were more articulate and poetic, I would combine them some way like, you know, um, but, but it's kind of the same concept of like, you're enough, like accepting yourself as you are today, being no different than you are is self-love. That is, that is the definition and that is the beginning. Um, yeah, it'd be something along those lines. I wish that I had like a catchphrase, but I don't, I mean, that's, that is enough. So I appreciate it. I really, (laughs) I really appreciate it. You are quick. (laughs) Shoshana. This has been a fantastic conversation. Before we wrap up today, is there anything else you want to add upcoming, looking towards the future? Anything else that comes to mind? No, I got nothing. This was just such a joy. What interesting, challenging questions. I'm like, I couldn't keep, my mind is like, could barely (laughs) keep up with you. You're fantastic. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Shoshana (laughs) Bean. 
You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.